1: june is pride month how should we as christians be approaching that and then aubrey gets to celebrate queen elizabeth's platinum jubilee
2: more mass shootings and 100 days of war in ukraine we're going to talk about that and some celebrity news you're listening to the common good
1: Everybody, welcome to the Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Happy Thursday. We both said it feels like Friday, what? but it is Thursday. Aubrey, it's your kid's last day of school. I know. Is this a reason to celebrate? Oh, this
2: is definitely a reason to celebrate. They finished earlier today, they only had half days, but now here's the real problem their backpacks are stuffed with like (laughs) folders and papers and artwork and garbage and my kids are hoarders i don't know about your kids brian but they want to keep all the little pieces of paper where they did this special doodle that they want to look at later in life and i'm like (laughs) so what do we do with all of the stuff in the backpacks i don't know if we're ignoring that till the end of summer come fall or if like we're tackling it tonight i don't know we'll see
1: it usually makes it to the fall so my kids have another couple of days left to go uh although my daughter it feels like she, uh, my high schooler has been out of school for feels like two months now <laughs> so uh it's it is an exciting time of year i was just talking to someone yesterday and they were like yeah we went to the local pool already i was like <gasps> what oh are you gosh, serious it really is oh summer. man
2: summer
0: has that started that is right
1: it is. And so Aubrey, uh, come June, uh, it feels like increasingly in our culture, every month is something, yeah. right? We all know February is, uh, is African American History Month. And, uh, what's it? Oh, was it? March or April—that was like Women History Month or celebration. I forget and, which one it and was. And
2: May was Asian American Pacific Islander Daisy American Month. So there are all there these different, yeah, like Heritage Months or or Community Group Months.
1: Yep, yep. But but really, oh, I believe March was just Aubrey's birthday month. Obviously, that's what March was. Month. So <laughs> it
2: really was. It was Women's History Month and Aubrey's birthday month. Yeah, it was
1: yeah. a Woman History Month. Yes, it was. <laughs> Uh, but most people probably know this by now. One of the bigger months culturally has become June. And that is because it is Pride Month. It is Gay Pride Month. And it is feels like, well, I wonder if you feel this way. I feel like with each year, this is becoming more and more a thing, right? Like uh sporting sports teams tend to. Uh, they've got their pride day or, you know, you'll see a lot of Twitter accounts kind of change and become rainbow color. All sorts yeah. of things in the month. Disney, of June. I,
2: I get these uh, like shop Disney <clears throat> emails every day and they just launched their pride collection for the yes. month. So, yeah, lots of uh, celebration.
1: So I'd say culturally, we've really dove into Pride Mm -hmm. Month, like it's become a thing versus some of the other ones you don't really hear about during the month. Uh, But Pride Month is a thing. And Aubrey, I think every year that this comes around, I do think it raises this question. What do we as Christians do Mm. with it? Especially Christians who might hold more of a traditional view on sexuality. Um, You know, I... I would call it a more biblical view, but other people would push yeah, back hard yeah. against that. But so we'll use the term traditional who are trying to be good neighbors, but also trying to say, you know, this all makes me uncomfortable, or we, you know, we got to talk about this. And I want to have that conversation. What should we as Christians be doing? How do we approach something like pride month? And before I, I let you answer that uh, Josh Howerton, who's a great Twitter follow uh, really big church down in Dallas, Texas, uh, a pastor down there he wrote this just the other day he said as we head into pride month gentle reminder to christ followers that quote affirmation or hate aren't the only two choices mm. and if anyone tells you that they're using choice architecture to manipulate manipulate you to a demanded outcome so his basically point is is there a better solution mm. Than than kind of the poles of affirmation or yeah. hate uh, when it comes to Pride Month. So Aubrey, how how do we talk? How, how are you? How do you approach mm-hmm. Pride Month? How do we talk to our churches? Mm-hmm. Probably the biggest question is how do we talk to mm-hmm. our kids? Uh, what do we as Christians do as we enter into the month of June and and Pride Month? Yeah,
2: I mean, I you know I think this is a complicated. Unfortunately, I I do think we've we've done too much to almost like block. And bar um the gay community from coming to church and coming to Jesus. And so I, I feel like there's a lot of repentance and change that needs to happen there. Even like feeling welcome at church. I was talking last week to a, a gay Christian friend of mine. She's chosen a life of celibacy. So there there are mm-hmm. these two terms, side A Christian, side B Christian. Side A would be like um kind of open and affirming and following jesus side b would be like choosing a life of celibacy following jesus more a little more like traditional christian ethic without Mm -hmm. trying to like Mm -hmm. change sexual attraction as we've seen kind of happen in the past and cause a lot of damage anyway she was saying her experience in church has been she goes to a church now that she really loves but that has been like her even her physiology at church she's so tense She doesn't know if she can worship. Her stomach hurts. Like the stress of like, I don't know if I'm welcome here. And that, that actually gave me a lot of compassion. So the question really is not about that. The question is about how do we celebrate pride month or not celebrate pride month? I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily think you have to like go to parades and put, on your rainbow flags. Um, But I, I do think we can think about the fact that Jesus would have drawn near to sinners in order for them to experience his love and transformation. And that didn't necessarily... Of course, that didn't mean he approved of of sin at all, never. But he always drew near to people that other people were putting their their boundaries Mm -hmm. up against. And so I think really the question is, would Jesus be at the... Pride parades are wearing the rainbow flags. I don't know. But I know he would be building very intentional relationships with this community so that they would know his love and his acceptance and his welcome and his transformation. And so that doesn't really answer what do we do. But I think there's a posture we need to have that's a little more welcoming and merciful than we've had in the past.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Josh Howerton, who I read earlier, he went on to tweet. He said this, gently, humbly, with respect and without a persecution complex. Mm. That's a great kind of way to start your tweet. Dot, dot, dot. He said, you can love someone without approving of everything they do. Jesus did and we must. And then he said, you can disagree with someone and still deeply love them. Parenthetically, Jesus did Mm. and we must. This is the hard you know, this is kind of where rubber meets the road right now in in Christendom because our culture is moving in a lot of ways. And again, those of us who hold a more traditional view just genuinely disagree. Right. With. Right. And we want to teach right. that. We want to uh, we want to help our kids understand yeah. that at the same time, like you said, Jesus was a friend of yeah. sinners. That was one of the greatest, um, ac- accusations made against right. him by the religious. Right. Uh, and there's a posture that says we are all sinners, but yet that doesn't then give license to just let people be in their totally. sins. This is, I-, I think we are, you and I are trying to help people because we feel it, this tension yeah. of what do you yeah. do? I remember somebody calling our church once and saying, you know, as a gay person, am I welcome in your church? And we were like, mm-hmm. absolutely, we would love you. And I genuinely mm-hmm. meant it. Like, yes, you are welcome to be here. Uh, And we'd love to be in community with you, all this stuff. And then they said, w- uh, would you do a gay wedding? And I said, I'm sorry, yeah, I wouldn't do right. it. I won't right. do it. And the person said, that's not very yeah. affirming or tolerant. Yeah. And then hung up the yeah. phone on me. Like there comes a point right where this becomes a dividing line. But I think what you and I are saying is all too often as Christians, we set up that dividing line way too at the front end. And maybe there's a way to build bridges while still holding to our traditional beliefs that we hold uh,
2: strong. Yeah. And I think this goes back to a conversation we had a few weeks ago. Like some of these, some of these bridges being built, have to happen like around our tables and in relationship and not on social media because some of it is Mm -hmm. just too complicated and too nuanced and really, really intimately personal for people. And so it's just, it's easy to say something online. It's really different to do that when you're with somebody in person. But I think you're right, Brian, like it is okay for us as Christians and good for us to have a biblical sexual ethic but not if it leads to like hate or um mm-hmm. or like diminishing someone's humanity. And so I again, like you and I are saying we don't necessarily know the right answer, but we know there's a tension there that we need to be able to to hold and point and acknowledge to Jesus. And walk, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So you're going to be seeing a lot of rainbow flags, a lot of stuff online and in around us all month of June and I think this is uh, it should also spur conversation within yeah. the church. What's our yeah. posture? What do we do? And and it should be something that we are wrestling with. Well, Aubrey, big day for you but today. Yeah, it's a big
2: day for me. I'm really cel- <laughs> really celebrating. What
1: people what people may not know about you is that you have a strange affection <laughs> for the British mind. I
2: know. It's so wild. In fact, he- <laughs> where
1: does that come from?
2: I think it's because... <laughs> It's my roots, Brian. I'm Welsh at at heart. And so because I have a Welsh queen for the past 70 years, I'm still like, I'm still like God, God save the queen. And I I think maybe, you know, yeah, that's the only thing I can say. It's the it's the British in my blood that roots for Queen Elizabeth. (laughs) Actually, I think it is. I mean, to be fair, to be serious. I think it is incredible that a woman has led in that capacity for like the longest reigning monarch in England's history and that it's in our lifetime. Like there's something very commendable about that. She's a woman of faith. She's a woman of prayer. The things she has seen, the things that no one knows she has done. I just I I, I am very impressed with who she is.
1: Yeah, so I've shared that I enjoy following the the British royal family, not to the extent that yeah. you do. Uh, I've laid my my uh, uh, I, I I've laid my opinion on on Harry, yeah. And you're Meghan not and their you're not a fan. You're family, not a
2: fan. <laughs> uh,
1: and all of this stuff. But today is the Queen's Platinum Woo-hoo! Jubilee, which means that she has been on the throne for seventy years. And you know, I think those of us here in the United States of America, like we don't get the monarchy right uh and i even me i'm like do they they're they're really pretty symbolic right but it's still you can tell whenever you watch something or you listen to somebody who's from over there the the actual the uh the admiration and love for the royal family, particularly the queen, is kind of off yeah, the Yeah, people,
2: I mean, I have a friend who lives here but she's from England and she's like, you can't say anything bad about my queen. I love her. Like, so I do think there's there I'm sure there are people who are over and rolling their eyes at the royal family, but there seems to be a general affection at least for Queen Elizabeth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So pomp and circumstance, let's go, let's start there. I was watching some of the platinum Jubilee on the today show this morning, and it was just dripping with pomp and circumstance, right? Like lots of military, lots of flyovers, lots of the Royal family standing on the balcony and who's next to who. And it's a, a huge celebration. Uh, why do you so let me broaden this why do you think we love pomp and circumstance my daughter graduated high school last week and high school kids are goofy high school kids are this net but at graduation they all march in line right they they literally play the song pomp and circumstance everybody's on their best behavior there's something about formality That speaks to us, even though we as Americans, are like, we're free to do what we want, we're free, whatever. There's something about, uh-huh. right, like at a graduation yeah. or at a wedding yep. or at uh, in, in the military. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it is that we do so much? Because I do think this ends up moving into the church sure. a little bit, but why do we like uh, history, pomp, and circumstances, ceremony? Yeah,
2: a part of me thinks it's because we just at least here in the States, in the West, like, or, or well, the States, I should say, we just don't do a lot of it. So like you said, there is mm-hmm. graduation and there's weddings, but generally speaking, we're not a very formal country. We're not a country that does a lot of this kind of thing. And so I, I think for, I can, I guess, only speak for myself, but I think somehow it feels like it connects us to something meaningful, something special, something stately, that we're just mm. we're so casual here in the states. We're so informal here in the states and there's some good wonderful things about that. But I I for some reason I think it just like makes us feel connected to like our our history and something more something more meaningful. It like marks moments with the gravitas that they deserve Mm -hmm. and we just don't do that much in the states and so i i I think that's part of why actually this is part of why i got up early for for megan and harry's wedding and put on a hat and had a whole tea (laughs) because i i don't know i i like i like those moments because they're so few and far between and and to mark something with the meaning it deserves i think is really an important part of the human experience
1: yeah, yeah. Uh that's an interesting point. Have I told you my really depressing connection with the uh royal family? <gasps> no. I think I've Just told tell me you. Again. I think I've told you. I'm going to okay. remind you. Uh Carrie and I's very first date happened Aww. ended up being on the night yeah. that Princess Diana that's died. So, so sad. like whenever I hear that I'm like, oh, that's the that was our first date. Like Aww. it was uh, I dropped her off yeah. at her at her dorm or her apartment and went back, turned the TV on in my apartment and that was what yeah, was on the news. So, so sad. So, So you made some great points about the tie to history, the tie to gravitas, and all of this stuff. You and I, separately, both started... Uh, non-denominational churches. Right. Uh, non-denominational churches have a lot of great things about them. History right. and gravitas tend not to be one of those. And we so, are low church. Right. We
2: are not high church. We, we are low church. Right. Yes.
1: Right. And our, our Anglican <laughs> friends, our Episcopal yeah. friend, our Catholic whatever, friends,
2: whatever. They're better at this than we are. Yeah.
1: They are steeped yeah. in history, and oftentimes that's the critique of churches like mm-hmm. ours. That in our liturgy, in our song mm-hmm. selection, in how How we decide what we're going to preach, just in the buildings we're in. I'm in a warehouse, you're in a community center. (laughs) So, is, uh, let me ask this two ways. Is that a detriment of the type of churches we lead? And more importantly, then, how do you bridge yeah. that? How do you go, you know what? We do need to tie back to our historical yes. faith and uh, what's been handed yeah. down through the generations. I mean,
2: I think both things can be true, right? Like, I, I actually love different expressions of the church or across the globe and throughout history because you just see that the Holy Spirit uses all kinds of communities to disciple people, to make disciples. You know, if Mm -hmm. you think about like the church in Acts, there were formal, I mean, they were still meeting in the temple at times. And so that was a more formalized ritualistic experience. But then Christians were also meeting in homes daily and breaking bread together and uh, sharing the word of God together informally as well. And so I I think we can celebrate God God's creativity and God's yeah. diversity as we look at different expressions of the church. Certainly, though, there are places where us low church folk can get a little better about like <laughs> oh what's the church what's the ecumenical church doing as far as the church calendar could we lean into that and perhaps remind ourselves that we're part of a community and not so you know not so individualistic at the same time the beautiful thing about the sort of low church non-dena- non-dena- non-denominational thing is a lot of people have been turned off by some of those rituals or some of that yeah, history yeah. feeling like they weren't free to be themselves they weren't free to have mm-hmm. a a different expression of worship. And so, again, I think there's value to both. And in different places around the world, you know, God is just building his church in really cool ways. So, I don't, what do you think yeah, about and, that?
1: And, yeah, I, I think uh, for churches like ours, and there are a lot of them, you know, around mm-hmm. us, uh, we can anchor ourselves primarily. One of the places we anchor ourselves is in yep. scripture that's been handed yep. down, right? We're not making this up right. as we go along. <laughs> We also anchor ourselves in things like the Lord's mm-hmm. Supper, uh, that this is something happening globally, mm-hmm. but this has been something going on. I know different, d- different ways to speak yeah. of it, different thoughts about it, but it's been baptism has been handed yeah. down, all of these things. Uh, and not everything. And I, I have to, you know, think about for myself and for people. Church, not everything needs to be new. Yeah. Right? Like totally. there's value in totally. songs or liturgy and yep. other things handed down. But there is also value in new. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the fun thing is to is to try to walk that. All right, Aubrey, enjoy the rest of your tea and crumpets probably coming oh, for you at absolutely. some point today. I'm
2: going to I'm going to do that later this evening. I'm going to force my family to put on hats and sit around the table drinking tea with me.
1: I just realized I don't realize I don't know what a crumpet is. I
2: actually don't know what a crumpet is either. It's a pastry Feels like of a, some Like, sort, a, like a, muffin? a
1: cookie. We're gonna okay. look it up, but I believe it's. I'm going to with a cookie-like pastry okay. of some okay, sort. Okay, I'm gonna
2: go with like a muffin-type pastry. So let's see what happens.
0: Or no matter how silly the idea of having a queen might be to us as Americans, we must be gracious and considerate hosts.
1: And I think you and I just learned something that we had. I guessed it was like a cookie. You guessed a pastry. No, no, no.
2: I guessed a muffin. We went to Google. I want to clarify that because I was a little closer than you. I guessed a muffin.
1: You're right. We went to Google and saw pictures. (laughs) A crumpet is essentially an English English muffin.
2: That we've been eating our whole lives.
1: Apparently that's a crumpet. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there are differences sure, sure. between a Thomas's English muffin <laughs> and a crumpet, but the but to look at it, if you showed me a picture of a crumpet, I would go an English, that's muffin. An English muffin, which makes
2: sense why it's called an English it muffin and not just like a a muffin or you know you know.
1: Sometimes Aubrey, the world makes more wow. sense than we wow, give it credit wow, for. Wow.
2: And, Listen to us Americans, and, uh, we're so brilliant.
1: <laughs> this is one of those, mu- so uh, next time I go to like a Honey Jam Cafe or something oh, no, cr- like that and they're like they're, they go do you want pancakes toast or an English muffin I'm like I would, I would like, like a, a crumpet, crumpet please <laughs> and they'll go and I'll just whisper to my waitress that let's is an English crumpet. muffin <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure I have an English muffin oh, uh, if, good times uh, so a total question that doesn't yes. matter but let's ask okay, it let's anyway do it. Uh, When you are at a breakfast restaurant Mm -hmm. and they ask you, do you want toast, Mm -hmm. English muffin or pancake on the side? What do you choose? Every
2: time I order pancakes to go and I take them to my kids every single time.
1: All right. All right. So, okay. We just learned that you're a very thoughtful mom. Congratulations. But what about when they say, ma'am, we're not going (laughs) to let you take it to go. This has to be eaten by you.
2: I say, could I please have fruit instead? (laughs)
1: <laughs> You're not playing my game. I know, here. it's true. They I'm say, just being honest they about say it. No. These are your three <laughs> choices and you have to have one. What are you gonna okay, choose? Okay, what are the
2: choices again? It has to be pancake, English muffin, or it's toast. Pancake toast
1: English muffin. Uh, yeah.
2: I probably English muffin.
1: I would choose an English. I mean a every crumpet. Time. I
2: wouldn't choose an English muffin. I would choose a crumpet.
1: But I would not bring it to my children <laughs> like you just so nicely did, so Barbara, are you familiar with the pastor by the name of Jim yes! Cimbala, the Brooklyn yes! Tabernacle? Yes, author
2: of Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, and That's Prayer right. of Jabez, maybe?
1: No, he's, he's not, not Prayer, prayer of Jabez. Jabez. He he does have a prayer one, uh, but Fresh Wind, yeah. Fresh Fire is his famous yeah. one. But also his church, if you've ever heard of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, yes. that is his heard church. His wife leads that. I've actually been one time <gasps> to the Brooklyn no Tabernacle. was it? It's cool. It's a really – it's a very prayer-driven church, Uh, but they have – I don't know if it's still the case. When he wrote Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, he wrote about how they were getting more people at their weekly prayer meeting than they did on Sunday morning. And anyone who's ever launched a prayer meeting knows that that is – an act of right, God right. right there. And That's so awesome. uh, Jim Cimbala at, for years has led uh, the Brooklyn Tabernacle, but here's what I wanted to do. I, I was just kind of scrolling through Twitter and uh, he came up like a two minute clip of something that he said to his congregation. I don't know the exact passage that he was preaching on. I'm guessing it was that passage that tells us to set our minds on mm. God, like to set our minds on things above, uh, to, to take captive every uh, every thought. My guess is it's one of those types of passages, but I thought this was really, really practical and a good challenge for us. So let's listen to Pastor Simba.
0: How many want to be renewed every day? Just lift your hand. All right. Think Jesus. Don't look at your phone. Think about Jesus. Don't think about politics. Think of Jesus. Don't even look at your schedule for the day. Think about Jesus. Think about how good he is. Think about him on the cross. Think about him shedding his blood so that your sins have been washed away. Think about the fact he's coming again. Think about some of the ditches he's pulled you out of in your life. How many have had some ditches that he pulled you out of? All right. Think about that. Think about Jesus. How would you be renewed every day if you don't start by thinking about Jesus? Don't think about your problems. There's time for that. Think of Jesus. Before you put your foot out of the bed, just lay there for a second and think about Jesus. Put your mind on Jesus. Well, I can't. Yes, you can. Who can make you think about something you don't want to think about? I can think about Jesus every morning. How many are with me? Say amen. amen. Before I take a step out, I can start thinking about Jesus. Just set your mind on Jesus. Just think about your experience with Him. Think about what you know of Him. Think about how kind He's been. Think about how patient He's been. The other day, I just broke down in tears thinking how patient God has been with my stubborn heart. Just think about Him. Do you think that automatically you're going to be renewed and be walking in spiritual places with Christ if you don't cooperate and think about Him? How could He do something for us if we don't even think about Him? If you love him, think about him. Are you listening to me? Think Jesus. Say it with me. Think Jesus. Say it again. Think Jesus. Before you do, forget everything else. You've got to first set your mind on Jesus. That's the way to start the day. All right, Aubrey, he just says over and over again. Think about Jesus. Don't mm.
1: start your day by thinking about politics. Don't so start good. your day by thinking about the news. So Don't put your feet out of bed before you think about Jesus. So you said it was so good. What What is good? What is helpful about this? And then we'll get into how do we do it? But what's well, helpful about this? Well, I mean, I think this? this
2: is a message that we all need to hear forever and always, like every day of our lives. But I would say especially now. It, this feels mm. like a word for this very moment where – I do think politics are consuming us. I think our financial woes are consuming us as inflation is happening. I think our, our you know, w- you know, there's so much like atrocity in the news right now. And so all of those things seek our attention and it can be so easy to get up in the morning. And the first thing is your mind just starts going over all those things or, or you even start consuming those things, turning on your news, turning on your radio, turn it, whatever, Um, opening up your bank account to see, you know, where, where the bottom line is. Like, and so to, I guess to reorient yourself and reground yourself on the person of Jesus, I think it's just a really meaningful discipline to like seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will fall into place. Right. Like just put those things in their proper perspective by, by remembering Jesus's authority, Jesus's sovereignty, Jesus' presence with us in this season, um, I just think it'll help those other things kind of get reordered in our lives rather That's than good. being the first thing.
1: Yeah. It's just that, that, uh, like you said, I, I, we're gospeling yeah. ourselves. We're, I, I just love that idea of before you get out of bed, because there's something that we all understand that once you start yeah. your day, it's off it and is running. Off. Right? Yes. Like, I don't know, maybe other people are much more disciplined than me, but I don't like in the middle of the day go, I'm going to pause <laughs> and spend some time in <laughs> right, prayer and right. focusing my mind. Now, like once my day goes, yep. it goes. Yep. And and so this idea of start your day by putting your mind mm-hmm. on Jesus, thinking about Jesus. And I love how practical he is about this. He's like, just do it. Like, think about Jesus. Like, just set your mind to doing this, that there is... All of those verses we read about, they're very active, right? Like, set your mind on Jesus. Go, you know, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Like, they're very active. And so I do appreciate that he basically said, like, do it. We're told to do it. Do it. And it's going to make a huge difference. It's going to make a big difference in our lives. So I guess the question really becomes, how do we do it? Like, (laughs) what are we thinking about? Like, if someone's thinking right now, I'd like to live that way, but... What does it actually mean to think about Jesus and how do we do that?
2: So I, I think that's a really good question because I I do think, like you were saying before, it takes intentionality. It takes action. So it could be as simple as you. I mean, I hate to tell you to open up your phone first thing in the morning, but like you go to you version and read the Bible verse of the day. Like, I think that's a really simple thing. Or you've got your Bible, your devotional book on your bedside table. And before you even put your feet on the ground, you, you know, do your time with the Lord. Or, Mm. I mean, like me, I, again, when I'm good at this, sometimes I'm not. But I'll go downstairs and sit in my chair and do my journaling and my Bible study before the day gets away from me. Because you're right. Like, as soon Mm. as the day starts, that's it. Like, that's all. Um, So I, I do think it means... Being intentional about, or just like waking up, Jesus, I want to think on you right now. I'll bring some things to mind, Holy Spirit, that you want me mm. to know about you and remember about you. I mean, I think it can be as simple as that, but it is going to take intentionality on our part to carve out the time to do that. What do you think, Brian?
1: Yeah, I, I think there the key word there that you gave us there is intentionality. Yeah. It is just, and maybe you need to put a note, right? Like maybe you need to put a note in your bedroom that just says, think on Jesus, right? Or on the uh, on the bathroom mirror that says, you know, think on yeah. Jesus, like just to, uh, to spur you, to remind yeah. you. Uh, maybe there's, uh, you know... It, it, we often talk so badly about routine, but the idea of just having a routine, I'm going to get up and I'm going to, I'm going to pray first thing and I'm going to read my Bible. And the next day I'm going to get up, I'm going to pray and I'm going to read my Bible. And eventually it becomes, you know, what do they say? It takes 21 days Mm -hmm. to make a habit, right? Eventually it becomes habit. And we think obviously it's going to bear much fruit, but but, but when we just get up and it's immediately run, 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 which I'm guilty of, then, then it does. It does become really difficult. So I thought yeah, that was helpful, great. Pastor Jim Simbola. Just think on so Jesus. Good. What does it mean to think on Jesus,
2: Brian? One of the one of the difficult parts about our job, and we talk about this pretty regularly, is just covering some horrific stories. And there right. was another mass shooting in my home state of Oklahoma in Tulsa. Uh, at a hospital there where the last report, at one point it said four dead. The last report I saw said five dead. What we know is multiple people are dead in this shooting on a on this hospital campus. And um, mm-hmm. apparently the shooting suspect is dead as well. This is the 233rd mass shooting in the U.S. this year. So mm-hmm. uh, just another devastating story i mean there's no way there's no way to say anything else it's another devastating story and then on top of that apparently um yesterday a 16 year old so was that a sophomore in high school was arrested in in berkeley california or in the area anyway after police learned that he was allegedly recruiting students to carry out a mass shooting at a high school in berkeley And um, I I read this article, Brian, and the police went to his house and found all kinds of weapons, things to make weapons, bombs, possibly. So just uh, another I mean, praise God that there was some intervention in this one, because that would have been horrifying. But just another like devastating story about a mass shooting. And then, Brian, on top of it all, I don't know if you know this, but tomorrow marks 100 days of war in Ukraine Yeah. And it does seem like Russia is beginning to gain some control and power. And so, I mean, wow, there is just. Yeah, it's it's heavy, Brian. And, you know, I I know we kind of keep coming back to the same conversation, but I think this is an important conversation. How in the world do we wrestle with some of this stuff as it continues Mm -hmm. to be heavy? And it feels like we want there to be a new season of peace and shalom and change, but we're just not seeing it right now. Like how do Christians wrestle with this kind of thing?
1: Yeah. First is we have to acknowledge that it's a real problem. Like just the statistics of, I saw some crazy thing. There have been this many mass shootings in our country since Uvalde. Um, (laughs) And you're like, wait, that happened last week. They're like not even really doing the funerals yeah. yet. Like that's how soon they are. And so I think, um, you know, everyone has got their defenses up already about whether it be guns or this. But I think we have to realize that when it comes to um these types of events, we are a sick culture. Mm. Like some things are the mental health issues going on yeah. right now, uh compounded by, um, you know, gun issues compounded by copycat yep. issues compounded by more yep. mental health. Like it's a, it's something, it's a crisis. Yep. It's a crisis. And we can't ever become mm-hmm. numb to, Oh, four people got killed in Tulsa. Like what's for dinner right, tonight. Right. You know, like that's, we can't, I I'll never forget that when, uh, when Columbine happened, I was a senior in college. Yeah. And I remember when Columbine happened, it being, it, it, it was on the news for weeks and it was there were documentaries made about it and that because it was like a first of its kind like it felt like that but but when you look back at columbine i I, this is going to sound heartless it was only 13 people Mm. which and and i use the word only on purpose because yes you know now that's like a few. it was only 13 right Right. Like, it's still a huge tragedy now, but that's normal. And it re- you realize now how long it's been around those those kids that were killed at Columbine. I saw this stat the other day. They'd be they'd be 40 years old right mm. now. Like, so this has been going on for a while. So to, to answer your question, I'll re first. We have to feel the gravity of the evil and brokenness of this world. Whether it be in school uh, school shootings or a, a shooting at a hospital campus like in Tulsa or whether it be the war with Russia and Ukraine. Like we can't become numb to the evil of this we just world. Can't. Yeah. Uh, and then what we learned what we discussed the other day is we We, in those moments of being confronted with the world's evil, we either run from God or yeah, to god and i yeah. we would encourage people to say, this is where our faith matters, the ultimate victory of Jesus Christ over evil sin and death uh we've got to hold on to it in these times, but I don't say that flippantly yeah. because it's not easy, right. and it doesn't wrap everything right. up in a bow, but this is where kind of our faith begins to really take root uh in a day to day
0: basis
2: yeah i I saw um I, saw, I think it was Derwin Gray posted something like just specifically about the mass shootings. He said like this is specifically an American problem, and I mm. so you know thinking of our American tragedies along with Ukraine, like you're talking about. I I think you're right, Brian. Like we we can't. It's hard because I know sometimes it can be so overwhelming that you do need to sort of unplug, go on a walk with your kids take deep breaths go out in nature like you almost mm-hmm. have to like i don't know like disconnect to be able to reconnect but i do think that reconnecting part is really important to not turn a not turn a blind eye to the pain and suffering in this world and like you said see these moments as as awful as they are as invitations to come to God with all of our questions. And then I, I also think we re, we've talked about this last week with the shooting in Texas. It also is time for action. And mm-hmm. I know, you know, you and I are not, are not uh, experts when it comes to gun control. We've said that before. We've both said we don't get guns. Certainly mm-hmm. none of us get war or want to support war. Um, at the end of the day, like, I also think our prayers have to move us to like, do what we can to, to make change and whether that's, yeah, to have
1: the hard conversations, for sure, for
2: sure. Have the hard conversations, write your political leaders. Uh, Um, but all of it, whatever it is, it, it is, like you said, it's an invitation not to like put yourself at a distance from people suffering, but enter in and, and To acknowledge, Brian, like you said, that like this stuff is hard and this is scary to think that there are 233 mass shootings just this year alone. I mean, we're not even at day 233 in the calendar. And to think about the fact that 100 days of war in Ukraine, how much they're suffering. I mean, it's just it is it's a lot. So I guess the point is, I'm so grateful in one sense that we have a God who allows us to go to him with our pain and suffering that we have the truth of the gospel that it doesn't make sense right now, but one day there'll be no more pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. And so we have to keep leaning into like, okay, Lord, would you let your will be done on earth that is in heaven? Cause we don't want to see this suffering anymore. We want to see change and keep, like you said, going back to God rather than walking away and praying that we see a new day, both in the States yeah. and around the world, but it's heavy, heavy
1: stuff we are such a distracted mm, people yeah. like we get so easily distracted yeah. by trivial thing and that's part of just life but also i think it's it's uniquely western yeah. <laughs> like we have so much to consume our yeah. minds that we are distracted and we just move on to the next yeah. thing and i think we can't be that like we have to these are these issues our country is facing are going to require uh serious debates and serious um courage yeah. and serious answers yeah. whether it's dealing with guns or mental health or school safety or whatever like there's a whole litany of things that need to be right. discussed my fear is that we're just going to continue to be distracted we'll just move on That's to the my next fear thing too. and this will kind of wear away until the next one and heaven help us we end up being in the middle of the next one you know what i mean like you're just kind of uh you hope that we all aren't such a distracted people that we've lost you know any any interest in praying for the people in ukraine or having hard conversations about what's going on in our country like let's let's be adults about this and let's let's push these forward let's continue to push yeah for answers. yeah let's
2: continue to push for answers and not get distracted that's a good word brian have you been watching any of the new obi-wan show yet on disney plus
1: uh, I'm going to let you guess an answer to that question. I'm going to guess
2: no. That's going to be my guess. But uh, you have watched some of the Disney Plus shows. Am I yeah, right? Y-
1: you are. I just didn't even know that there was a new Obi-Wan. I mean, I've seen people say yeah. it, but I-, I didn't know there was even really a thing. Yeah. So, yes, I-, I should probably be watching more of it.
2: Okay. Well, it is good. I mean, if you like Star Wars, it's it's. I've only seen three episodes, the first three that came out. But it's pretty good. Um. But part of the reason I love the show is I'm a big Ewan McGregor fan. Like I like the Scottish okay. accent, I like the roles he has played in the fat in the past. I first came to Ewan McGregor affection through. I don't know if you remember the movie Train Spotting, like back when we were in college. It was a very two thousand movie, but I don't.
1: I don't think I've ever actually seen it. But yes, I do yeah. remember.
2: Um, okay. So I like him. I'm a fan. And he, of course, plays the the titular role of of Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi. OK. okay. So anyway, there is a new actress in the show. Uh, her name is Moses Ingram. She is a black woman. She's playing a, a sort of a... I don't want to spoil too much for people. So this is a spoiler alert. Warning, warning, warning. This is a spoiler alert, listeners, if you care about this. (laughs) But she's serving uh, Darth Vader. I'll just say that. So she's playing a bad guy. And um, apparently the Twitterverse went wild, attacking her online with all kinds of racist slander and slurs and... And calling her the N-word and just these horrible, horrible, horrible things about her as a person, as a human, as a black woman. And so you and McGregor got online and he said some pretty harsh things to Star Wars fan that I think were really necessary. And so I want to go ahead and play that audio and then talk about it. But then, Brian, there's another kind of twist to this story that I think will be interesting for us to unpack. So let's go ahead and take a listen to you and McGregor.
3: This weekend Star Wars fans made uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi the most watched Disney Plus original series premiere of all time. And for that, I would say a big thank you. And uh, it just goes to show what this family can do when we all pull together. However, um it seems that some of the fan base from this influential fan base have decided to attack Moses Ingram online and send her the most horrendous racist DMs. And I heard some of them this morning and it just broke my heart. Moses is a brilliant actor. She's a brilliant woman. And she's absolutely amazing in this series. She brings so much to the series. She brings so much to the franchise. And it just sickened me to my stomach to hear that this had been happening. I just want to say as the leading actor in the series, as the executive producer in the series, that we stand with Moses. We love Moses. And if you're sending her bullying messages, you're no Star Wars fan in my mind. There's no place for racism in this world. And uh, I totally stand with Moses.
2: All right. I love his words there. If you're a racist, you're not a Star Wars fan. And I just I'm like, <laughs> yeah, go Ewan McGregor. Plus, he says it in his cool Scottish accents. You got to listen to what he has to say. Um, yes. Okay. But Brian here's what is wild to me. And I think this is a, well, let me tell you, and then we'll talk about what we think about it. So, um, I don't know. You didn't watch Mandalorian, but in, in the Mandalorian, there's a character played by an actress named Gina Carano. And she is a, I mean, her character is very tough. I actually think she was a professional wrestler, bodybuilder, something like that. So she's like a big, tough lady. Her character was amazing. But during covid, she began to express some viewpoints that were like anti-vaxxer, very, very, very um, uh, even like it. It seemed like um, anti-Semitic, like anti-transphobic, like she she basically was saying some things on her own social media that were not good or helpful. Uh, she talked a lot about voter fraud. She mocked mask wearing and she eventually was fired for that. OK, mm-hmm. now what people have done on social media, as they are wont to do, is to make a connection between these racist attacks and that uh, Gina Carano getting fired, basically saying and McGregor, Disney, you're standing up for Moses Ingram, this black woman experienced racism, but you didn't stand up for Gina Carano. And they're kind of saying this is like another sort of leftist, you know, woke what- yeah, whatever yeah, it's what we do. I don't think it's a fair connection, but I want to know what you think, because obviously I'm a fan. I'm a little bit involved, Brian, and right. I, and a, you know, our church is a multi-ethnic church and we are so anti-racism that I sometimes I can't step back and see if there's a connection here. I don't think there is, but I want to know what your thoughts are.
1: So where it feels different, uh, I'm just learning the story as I said I I never watched either of these. Where it feels different is from the way you've told it is that Moses Ingram didn't do anything. Yeah. Moses yes. Ingram uh the extent of what she did was be a black actress and I want to make sure maybe I just want to have some hope in humanity that every every comment she's gotten is is um you know, is deplorable, but I'd like to think that these are just Twitter trolls and that I always want to be like you and McGregor don't even give oxygen Mm, to that. Right. Like mm. don't even give, but I understand why, right. It's the, it's the social media world that we live in. But the Gina Carano one, you said, uh, what, what sometimes what I think we lose sight of is that we, you know, we like to talk about cancel culture and all of this. And I understand that, but in reality, while we have First Amendment rights to say stuff, we our First Amendment rights don't protect us from consequences. That's so good. Yep. So if if a company like Disney, whatever you think about mm-hmm. them, thought that her comments went too yeah. far, it's perfectly within their rights to fire right. her. Now, were they um, caught up in you know in in public perp- opinion? Maybe I don't yeah. know. Uh, but so often we yell cancel culture when the answer is no, it's not cancel culture. It Consequence. is consequences. Oh,
2: that's so good, Brian. And wow.
1: that's on both yeah. sides of the aisle. Like, yes, you can say whatever you yeah. want. I can get – I can say whatever I want and not fear retribution from the government but it doesn't mean that there aren't things that if I said them, my church or our radio station wouldn't fire me over them. And that's not cancel culture. That's consequences. And we all consider our consequences. Whereas it feels like Moses Ingram is just a different case where people are going, I don't want there to be this, you know, black actress. Mm -hmm. And again, I hope that that is just 0.0001 of people out there who are saying these things. Uh, that's not her getting that is not consequences of anything she's right, done right. other than being a black right. woman that's actress. Just hate. So yeah. that's the difference. And I, you know, do I get uncomfortable with some of the things that we that we cancel over versus some of the things that obviously sure, absolutely sure. But a lot of times also when we yell cancel culture, we should ask ourselves first: is that mm, cancel culture or is that that's just good, consequences? Brian? That's a
2: really good. And, uh, uh, Algorithm—that's not the right word I'm looking for—but a really good way to think through the perspective. I
1: I think Gina Carano—is that Mm -hmm. I get her name right? Carano. She said things that she believed and she thought was important to put out there. She may have said them in unhelpful ways, and Disney, being a multi-billion-dollar corporation, said. Not only do we not agree with you, we don't want to associate. That's the consequences of it. And you might say, well, Disney would have – yeah, Disney probably wouldn't have fired her if she came Mm -hmm. out and was like, I'm full vaccine and anyone who's not full vaccine has a – or if she came out anti-Trump versus pro-Trump. And you can then – there could be consequences to Disney's action in which a lot of people stop giving their money to Disney. like. There are consequences, so cancel culture is a thing. But sometimes I think it's become this umbrella mm. term where we go, "Oh, it shouldn't mm. be cancel culture." Nope, Aubrey. There's you could say something here yeah. in the next ten minutes on these airs that you believe and you have the right to say, but also get you fired. That's exactly and right. Those are just yeah. Consequences. Those are consequences.
2: That's a re- I like that. I think that's a really good perspective. I'll say one more thing too. I what I also don't like is. Like we're, like the conversation, this happens a lot. This is a tactic in arguments. The conversation is about. These racist things that are happening, and people go, no, 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 it's not racist. This other thing, and it's like people yeah. constantly won't just actually confess or admit, like, no, there's this horrible sin, evil thing of racism. Let's just talk about that instead of like, no, 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 it's this other thing instead. I feel like that's a tactic, and I, and I don't really like it. But anyway, I, I yeah, like we do that all. The I time. like that perspective. Sometimes it's just consequences. It's not necessarily cancel culture. It is the end of the show, and at the end of every show, we love to bring you something challenging, inspiring, or just encouraging to to um, help you move through your week living for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Brian, uh, I was over at Christianity Today, and they're asking a, a pretty funny, but I think important question. Is there a tiny Puritan living in your head? What do you think of when you hear that question? Like, what do you think they're going uh, to the, imply?
1: <laughs> so I, I get that's funny, you know, the funny imagery of like, yeah, there's literally <laughs> right, a tiny Puritan right. in your head. But I think the question being asked there is we know that, what do we know of the Puritans, right? They were all about what they didn't do. They were all about uh, abstaining from the the pleasures of this world. They were all about abstaining from things that even other Christians were not abstaining Mm -hmm. from. They were, the Puritans are known for their hard work and their rigor and their um, blandness, if you will. They're, You know, I, when I think of Puritans, I think, uh, there's many differences, but I kind of think modern day of the Amish, right? Like, just known by. Uh, we're not going to dress in a flashy right. way and we're not going to live in a flashy right. way and we're not going to be looking to the pleasures of this mm. world and all of these things. And many of us would say from our own lives, we'd say, well, it feels like the Puritans have gone really far with this, but um, there are certainly things to learn. But I'm going with, I've not read the article, I'm going with that's where they're going to go with this article. I
2: think for me, again, before we dive into the article, I sometimes I do think there's a tiny Puritan living in my head because every once while, okay, I'll, I'm going to give you an example. Okay, this is a little bit wild, but just like go with me here. Okay, I have a friend whose daughter just got a tattoo. Her first tattoo. She's 18. Got her first tattoo, and it's the tattoo of her uh, horoscope sign. Okay, and oh. the tiny Puritan in my head and went horoscope. No, you can't have the like. I there are things in me that right or wrong. I mean, some of it might be right. Right. You I know, hear where I just sort of have this like No, 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 be careful. That's sinful. Like um that's almost my like initial response. And again, sometimes I think it's actually right and godly, and sometimes I think it probably makes me a little judgmental or not able to enjoy Things of this world. So that's a weird example. And I'm definitely like don't believe in horoscopes. But like I do have that little tiny Puritan that like pops in my head sometimes. It's not consistent, but every once in a while. So
1: I thought you were going to say there. Interestingly, this goes you and I uh, have been raised, you know, yeah, in ways you don't do this, yeah, you do yeah. this, you don't do this. We we both went to Wheaton yeah. College, in which you signed a covenant yeah. that says I won't do this, I won't do this. So when you started that story, even though I know that you don't have a problem with tattoos, I thought your first thing was going to be uh, immediately. My first thought is like, oh, should a, should an eighteen year old get a tattoo? Oh, and then oh, you went oh. to the horoscope. Oh. That's that shows you how how ti- how the tiny puritan lives in me and this yeah. is coming from someone who's 18 year old got a tattoo right? on her birthday. right. <laughs> 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 okay,
2: so some of us have that tiny puritan who lives in us. Okay, here's what this here's what this article says. This is by Joy Marie Clarkson. She says we should tell the tiny puritan to get lost. She says, I am convinced that most of us have a tiny Puritan who lives in our heads. He sees all pleasure as temptation. He thinks the safest way to stay morally pure is to be chronically wary of one's own enjoyment. When we find ourselves enjoying something, be it a particularly overripe peach, an amazing piece of music, or a first kiss, he furrows his brows, grumbling, sinner, be careful, you might get carried away. (laughs) The tiny Puritan is a nuisance, but we're afraid to get rid of him because we really do want to be good. She goes on to say the tiny Puritan believes all pleasures are guilty pleasures. Did you enjoy the movie? The tiny Puritan suggests you could or should be doing something more productive or spiritual. Did you love those donuts? The tiny Puritan suggests you are a glutton. She says, we all handle the tiny Puritan in our own special way. Some learn early in life to lock the tiny Puritan in a box and bury him somewhere deep in our subconscious. Boldly enjoying pleasures, both innocent and salacious. Some of us try to bargain with the tiny Puritan, enjoying some small pleasures, but not without being flattened slightly by his derisive scoff. We end up trying to follow the Puritans demanding rules. So he'll shut up. Okay. So where do you think this tiny Puritan comes from?
1: Uh, I, I would like to think that it comes from a good, mm. um, start, yeah. right? Like we, the book of Hebrews tells us to, um, you know, throw off the sin that so easily mm, entangles right. and focus our eyes yeah. on Jesus and i think it's a reaction to us saying i've got to be vigilant in throwing off the sin right <laughs> and and but the problem is that for many of us this probably became more about our definition of sin mm. like what are these things that are wow. sin we became somewhat fundamentalist we became somewhat legalistic yeah. in these and so therefore um you know, I too am not a follower, and I think that horoscopes are dangerous, but just the fact that you were like a horoscope you 're going to hell <laughs> That's like,
2: right totally it,
1: it starts to show how something with good intentions right I want to keep my mind focused mm-hmm. on Jesus, I want to get rid of sin that so easily entangles uh can go too far right like i want to protect myself from drunkenness so therefore i'm going to be a prohibitionist who doesn't think there should be any Mm -hmm. alcohol like if if any christian touches any alcohol they're sinning right like we it's all it's a hard it's a hard line to Mm -hmm. walk i think that's it i think this grows out of goodness yeah Uh, the church saying i want to be holy and and but we're also missing the point a little bit and missing the boat.
2: Yeah, like Brian just said, we're missing the boat. And so I I do think, you know, sometimes the the opposite of the tiny puritan is just grace. Like we need to experience more grace in our lives. We need to ask God for more mercy and we need to be able to show grace. I think even to ourselves when that tiny Puritan keeps on uh, like talking in our heads, we just need to ask God to give, show us more grace to silence that tiny Puritan, but then also show grace to other people as well. Here's how the article ends. She says, God has set a feast for us in this world. He invites us to taste his love in every perfect apple pie, to feel our souls brush infinity in the consolation of human love, to be drawn through music into worship. In each generous pleasure, each plucking of the strings of desire in our hearts, the Holy Spirit whispers of the new creation. So I dare you to take pleasure in things. Tell the tiny Puritan to get lost eat the feast so hopefully that's a good word for you on this thursday evening i dare you brian and i dare you to take great pleasure in things tell the tiny puritan in your head to get lost eat the feast and worship god who is the lord of the feast and thanks so much for joining us today we'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m for brian from i'm aubrey sampson and you've been listening to the common good on am 1160 hope for your life